Good afternoon and welcome to Find Your Sparkle with Jen, where you'll be inspired, informed, and influenced. I'm your host, Jennifer Stewart, owner of Jazz Potential and creator of Find Your Sparkle. And today I am super excited to have with me my new friend, Rachel Coulet, who's the CEO and founder of Zimmy Wellness Center and Indigenous Sovereignty. And let me tell you, Rachel has so many incredible attributes and, oh my gosh, accomplishments in her life. Literally, I don't even, I can't even, I can't even tell you, but I'll just let you know a few. So she's a traditional native healer that also uses other healing modalities, an herbalist, um, oh my goodness, Western, oh my, vibrational sound therapist, certified practitioner in as a, a vibrational sound, oh my goodness, the, the list, body code practitioner, motion code practitioner, the list goes on and on. And today we're going to find out more about her and what makes her her and all of the amazing amazing things that she's gone through um but we're probably going to only have time to touch on a little bit welcome rachel i'm so glad to have you here first kind of met through an online group and i saw an interview with you and at that moment i decided i knew that i had to interview you so i'm <laughs> so happy you're here welcome Thank you for having me here today. It's an honor to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, where did you grow up? A little bit about your family so we can get to know you. Okay. Uh, my name is Rachel Kulay, and I am a member of the Northwest Band Shoshone Nation. I come from a long line of chiefs, uh, so Chief Washki on my mother's side and then I come from uh, Chief Wash or uh, Chief Joseph on my father's side from the Nez Pierce. Um, I was born and raised here in Portland, Oregon and uh, but my people they come from Washkey, Utah and so my uh, grandmother and my mother actually moved out here into the city to give us opportunity uh, me and my siblings um, to have a different education and more opportunities um, to go after our dreams. Um, there's more opportunities in the city that um, we're able to have access to than what we are able to on the reservation. So I was very fortunate on that aspect to be able to be raised in the city. And growing up, um, my mom, she worked at Oregon Ballet Theater when I was about two years old. And so she would actually take me to ballet um, or to work with her and uh, the school director, Ide, she would take me by the hand and she would just take me around to classes all the time. And I would just sit there quietly and just watch her teach um, class and watch all of the dancers in, in oh. ballet. And then she would take me to company class. And so then I'd actually get to go and sit and watch the company of Oregon Ballet Theater uh, rehearse mm -hmm. and um, take class and, you know, really work hard. And so then by the age of three was when you were actually able to be enrolled into ballet at Oregon mm -hmm. Ballet Theater. And awesome. so what I remember when I turned three years old, Haide, she looked at me and she goes, do you want to do, do you want to go into ballet? And I was like, yes, I want to, I want to be in there. <laughs> and so, so she took me by the hand and she threw me into ballet class and I became like the, uh, one of the next protege um, types um, that was raised from little, little baby. And wow. Um, I was eight years old. I had worked so hard that I received my first merit scholarship. 
And that Holy was cow. huge for me um, because ballet, um, the tuition is very expensive. And yes. my, my family didn't have that much money. And so I knew um, there was like this internal gut instinct that it was just like, I just had to have this scholarship in order to be able to dance. I just wow. knew, I didn't know my, my parents' financial situations, um, but I know now that they really did rely on that scholarship that I got um, to you know, provide me throughout my, my training because it was thousands of dollars. Um, and then you want to add point shoes on top of that. And, you know, oh that's like a yeah. dollar pair of point shoes. Um, I'd go through wow. point shoes about four to six pairs a month. Um, oh my golly. Holy cow. Yes. So wow. by the time I was 10 years old, I was um, going, I was in a private school and so I'd be in school from uh, 7.30 to 2.30. Then I would get in the car. Um, sometimes I would actually have to do quick changes in the car on the way to oh ballet so that my hair would be in a tight, tight bun. And I would be in my, right. my leotard and my, and my tights, get out of the door, run into um, the <laughs> school of ballet or Oregon Ballet Theater and have like 30 minutes, an hour to stretch. And even then, if I was 45 minutes early, that was still considered late for myself. I had to be at least an hour early um, Holy cow. Get myself prepared and ready for class mentally. Um, I had to be, I had to stre be stretched. I had to be warmed right. up. Um, wow. Then I would start about 3.30, 4 o'clock. And then I would be in the studio until about nine o'clock at night. And that was at 10 years old. So that, oh my was, gosh. that was my life was um, school, uh, go to ballet dance. and yeah. I would dance. And so um we were trained in, it wasn't just ballet. I was trained in. So I was also trained in uh, flamenco. So I started dancing oh, nice. flamenco when I was eight years That's old. Fun. Um, then we did Russian character. Uh, then there was also uh, tap dancing, jazz, modern dancing, um, hip hop. Nice. Uh, so I was, I was everything. Trained in everything. everything. And that's, you know, that that's was amazing. the idea was that um, Haide, she wanted uh, dancers that were, eclectic in their dancing and so that way mm -hmm. you had more opportunities to go into better dance companies um, by having a, a well versatile like background of all these different styles of dances and so it's it was it's actually challenging a lot of people don't realize but, but for ballet dancers to go into hip-hop dancing it's actually very oh my challenging God. Um, a lot of ballet dancers have a, a difficult time actually getting their body to move in fluidity um as like a hip-hop dancer or a modern dancer right so being yeah. able to master uh, both sides of that is is a challenge in itself wow um, that's amazing so they actually uh called my name is a swinger so as a professional dancer my title is a swinger okay what that means is that I have the ability to memorize everyone's part besides my own oh my golly that's incredible when did you realize that um I was 12 years old and we were doing a huge ballet production Paquita and um I had my own part but yet I understudied all of the other dancers, um, you know, that were in the main roles. 
And so I was constantly just like watching everyone's part. And one one day, one of the girls, she was sick and she wasn't there. And I, they, she asked um, some of the other girls, you know, who can fill in her spot. So she would grab some of the understudies and put her, put them into this girl's spot and they would all freeze and they didn't know the girl's spot. And oh. so she kept switching out about three or four girls and she got mad. She's Cuban. So she was very, very, <laughs> very, very strict. So I'm talking right. military style strict. Oh my goodness, and, yes. And so <laughs> she was getting mad. And so finally she looked at everybody who was like, really, nobody can come and fill in this spot. And so I just like stood and I looked around and I was like, nobody's going to take it. So I jumped and I took her spot and I ended up doing, and this was at the beginning of an hour and a half long piece. I oh my did goodness. all of her parts without, Plus your own. without, yeah. And I never missed anything. Then wow. in the middle of it, I, they, she started grabbing me and putting me in other people's spots and taking them out of their spots and I started, oh, and then, yeah. So then I was like, she was literally moving me around in different spots to prove and show everyone that I knew everybody's spot. Wow. And, and I, and I did it. I was able wow. to do it. And that's, that's a pretty incredible. I, it, it is. But that's when I realized that I just had um, a, a gift, gift like, a gift of like even a yeah gift of memorizing and the ability to know everything and what was going on around me and which now as I got older into companies um that plays a huge role into being able to do choreography because being oh able to actually know and see all of those parts as a choreographer being a being able to have that gift when I was younger now it plays where I can actually do choreography not on just one person or two people I can actually Uh set it on you know a group of people and being able to see what each person is doing individually but hadn't I been able to know that I wouldn't be able to really see that on in a different level in a way Wow, that's pretty incredible. So you used your gift throughout your lifetime. So talk about from, you know, the journey from, you know, that six-year-old that started to now, and and I know there's been a lot of things that have happened in between there, but you have a lot of, I mean, really incredible stories where basically you're a walking miracle, no (laughs) short of any other word on so many levels. I mean, just, you know, your, your, your talents alone are miraculous you've had an interesting journey with cancer and I know that um there's so many people who are impacted and if you're not impacted yourself I don't know that there's anyone that I can think of who doesn't know someone who's had cancer and been impacted by cancer Um, Mm -hmm. so you've got a really incredible story and we're going to go to a break in a minute before we go to break can you give us kind of a, a like Reader's Digest. So when people are, when we're on the break, people are going to be absorbing what you said so they can prepare to come back and hear the rest of your story yeah. on that. You know what I mean? Because yeah. people okay, are going to be well, sitting, there, people are going to sit there and shake their head because they're not going to think they're hearing properly. Well, okay. Um, you said six years old and six years old, I was um, diagnosed with cancer and they did not have, the doctors had no clue um, what kind of cancer I had. Um, I had a tumor that was in the center of my chest and it basically looked like a third boob in the middle of your chest. And um, 
it stuck out pretty big. But then at the same wow. time, I had to sleep um, uh, propped up. I couldn't sleep laying down. If I laid down, it felt like I had like a 300, 400 pound person sitting on top of me. Oh my and goodness. So now as I go older, I understand even more of the, the trauma and things with cancer and with this specific cancer um, and what caused it was heartache. Um, at, during that time, um, my aunt uh, was very uh, verbally abusive to me. And, um, you know, this, she was young. So mind you, our, our ages are very close, um, in age and okay. she, uh, my mother was more like a mother to her. So when I was born, there was almost like that jealousy, um, you know, from this little teenager, you're, you know, you're talking 10 years old, 12 years old, you know, and your, your older sister is basically your mom in a sense. And then all of a sudden you see this new baby get born and you see this love of this mother and a child. And so this teenager, you know, um, starts getting jealous and envious yes. and um, starts telling my, you know, me as a child, nobody wants you. I wish you're dead. Um, oh my. you know, your mom and dad don't want you alive. Nobody wants you alive. We all hate you. So it was just constantly like all of this hate that was being spoken on me. And actually over time, I ended up losing my hearing. I went deaf. Oh my gosh. Uh, I had to get tubes put in my ears, uh, to bring my hearing back. And then this tumor formed on my chest. And oh my as I, as I grew older and as we learn, you know, this trauma that was on my chest was all this heartache from these words that was being spoken to me. So it was oh my like goodness. my heart was absorbing all of these emotions and these traumas that was happening. And so over time, um, they were going to go do a biopsy and they were going to remove the tumor. And, um, I'll never forget this. I was in the, uh, the MRI and I was laying in and I was, this is where I ended up getting claustrophobia from this. Cause I had to lay oh on, on the bed strapped down and, you know, six years old and you hear the knocking sound of the MRI and you're, you know, you're in this room by yourself and, and I just re remember there was like all of these doctors constantly around and, you know, testing all these things and they couldn't figure it out. So they were going to do surgery. Oh my and gosh. Can I interrupt you only because we yep. have to go to break. I'm a little oh, bit over, okay. but we're going to take a quick break and we'll be Let's right back. You're listening to CIOE 97.5 FM. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Find Your Sparkle with Jen and welcome back, Rachel. Oh my goodness. We left you with a cliffhanger. You can continue your story when you were a six-year-old girl in, in this MRI. And so I'm about to go into surgery. So that's where I left off is um, we had surgery planned and I'll never forget this. It was the night before the surgery. My mom sat me down and she asked me, Rachel, do you believe that God creator can take this from you? And I looked at her and I said, yes, I believe he can. And she goes, okay, we're going to sit and we're going to pray. And so my family, we all came together and my family, they gave me a blessing and in that blessing, I was told that my, I would wake up and my cancer would be gone. Wow. And I wouldn't have to go through the surgery and that through my faith that, um, a miracle would happen and that, um, 
I would be, I would be cured for my cancer. And wow. I just remember, I just remember, I was like, okay, I'm like, it's, it's gone. It's gone. And I'm like, I'm not going to have to have surgery. It's, it's, I'm going to wake up and it's going to be gone. And so I went to bed and sure enough, next morning I woke up, it was gone. Wow. That's incredible. I, the, the tumor was gone and I can still remember clear as day, my mom getting on the phone with the doctor and calling them and saying, Rachel doesn't need to do the surgery today. And they're like, what are you talking about? There's no way she had, you know, she was in here two days ago and their cancer was there. And there's no way impossible that there's no way possible <laughs> that this cancer is like this tumor is off of her chest. There's no way they're like, ma'am. <laughs> You're just afraid. Everything's going to be okay. Just bring your child in. Like, let us do the surgery. We're trying to help you. And she's like, okay, I'll bring her in, but you're not going to do the surgery. She, and they're like, no, you're like, just, just bring her in. We need to do this. And she's like, all right. And she kind of looked at me like, well, let's go, mom. So we went and wow. we got in there and there, I kid you not, there was 30 doctors in that MRI room standing Whoa. around me every like I, every doctor at peace health was in that room done founded, not knowing what the heck happened but a miracle and wow. they just looked at my mom and they're like what did you do and she goes all we did was pray and wow. they, they did all these tests and ran all these tests and they just finally they just looked at me and they're like it's you're you're a miracle, miracle. It's, it's a miracle. wow and so ever since then, it was that faith that actually carried me throughout my whole life. Awesome. And it was those, those hard times that actually, that helped me when I, you know, pushed forward and went into dance and things like that, that it gave me a whole nother sense of being able to fight and yes. a sense of uh, purpose and direction and too. So it, it helped me too, so that I was even more driven. Um, because when you're going into any type of profession, especially as an athlete, when you're a kid mm -hmm. and you're really diving in, um, you have to have that support, but then you have to have the drive and, um, but the passion too. Yes. And, and not only that, there's a whole nother sense that people don't ever really talk about is the social part of it. So there's oh, a whole nice. nother social part of it. So you have, you have a challenge of, do you want to be in with the popular people or do you mm -hmm. like go and hang out and go party? Or do you want to dive your nose into the book and have your 4.0 so that you can have your, um, scholarships. uh, your <laughs> scholarships and so that you can do all of these things. And so it was, you know, there was a lot of battles that I would go through as a kid um, that ended up pushing me th through those things. So by the time I was actually in seventh grade, I went into public school system for the first time. And so I, I had no idea what sex was. I had no idea what alcohol and drugs were or anything like that. Oh, wow. Um, my mom yeah. didn't have me in sex education classes. And so um, I didn't even know what any of thing, any, I didn't know what any of that was. And so that was the first time I ever had a boyfriend was in seventh grade and he kept wanting to have sex with for eighth grade. He kept having want to have sex with me. And I didn't even know what this was. So I just kept saying no. And so 
I was at Nut in the Nutcracker for Oregon Valley Theater um, many, many years. And it was around that time. And I was supposed to have my so-called friends come with me to uh, watch me perform, but they ended up not going. So I ended up having my mom drop me off at their house afterwards. And it had un- ended up that they ended up roofing me. My, oh, my no. girlfriends and they ended up taking me down the street to um one of our uh kids the boys house and i ended up getting um raped by uh three boys that oh night god and i actually don't remember it i only remember part of it i just remember hiding in the closet and then getting um, ripped out of the closet and then thrown backwards and after that i don't remember anything but waking up the next morning at my friend's house but as time went on uh, my mom she ended up pulling me out of school and homeschooling me and um back it and then fast forward into ninth grade i figured okay i'll try to go to high school and I ended up having flashbacks and started remembering oh, um, uh, the rape. Um, oh my God. The, the ex, the guy that did it um, was there at school. So I'd pass him in school. And so then all of a sudden I started having these flashbacks. Wow. Blacking out and all these things started happening. So oh my gosh. I actually um, started going to therapy. So I actually went and saw a therapist and she was helping me through, I was actually doing more art therapy um, and then uh, inner child um, work. Good, so yeah, that helps. With the inner child and all mm-hmm. of that. So that was really good working through all of that. And then, so that was its challenge in itself. So then that actually um, splayed my hips and it changed the the um, the functions of my body. Oh and wow! So I actually lost muscle um, strength um, in ballet, and so it was oh like goodness. after that happened, it actually it damaged my uh, my pelvis. So then, um, fast forward going to eighteen, I ended up getting pelvic cancer. So. Wow. So you have all of these energies wow. of these things and these traumas that end up storing and lodging. And then it yeah. ended up, then from that trauma, then I kept getting pelvic injuries. And so it was like this energy that was absorbed in my, in yeah. the uterine and was just right. attracting all of these physical energy uh, uh, injuries. So then by the time I was 17, um, I was so depressed and suicidal because of everything. I had started drinking alcohol. And so my change in direction with dance was not as clear because I was hurting. And um, then Haidei, she ended up selling the whole change of direction of Oregon Valley Theater shifted. We had a new uh, company director that came in, a new school director that came in. And so it was like everybody that I had known and grown up with just all of a sudden drastically changed on me too. Mm, And they ended up bringing, um, so they came from San Francisco Ballet. They brought up their own dancers, put those dancers into the pre-company where I was at. And they put uh, those of us that were in that pre-company and put us into a new made up level and were oh. training us in balancing, but I was I was uh, trained in all four types of ballet, and so balancing is more of your robotics. I call it the robotic style dancing, where everybody looks the same and there's no expression whatsoever. Right. I yeah. Myself. So, 
I ended up uh, not wanting to dance anymore. And instead of saying that I wanted to choose a different dance company and go somewhere else, I decided I just completely wanted to quit dancing altogether. And my mom looked at me and she goes, well, if you're really real, I want to watch you throw your point shoes in the trash. Well, I was so angry at that moment. I was like, fine, I'm done. And I grabbed my point shoes and I threw them in the trash can. And the moment I threw it in the trash can, I had this like internal feeling like I just screwed up. Like I just mm-hmm. made a big mistake. Oh my gosh. Throwing my talent into the trash like that instead of going other ways of being able to, you know, handle the situation. I chose anger and, and all of this hurt. And I was like, oh, I'm done. Three yeah. days later, I was in a car accident. And I had a 360 spinal cord hyperextension. So I was, I was basically, I went through, um, I was going through a light and I was going to stop at the light to go to the gas station. Um, It turned, uh, it was turning yellow and it was raining and there was a truck right behind me. So I figured if I went through the light and then turned into the gas station after the light, it would give enough time for the guy to stop at the light. He followed me through the light. And oh, I went, went into the gas station, he T-boned the back end of my uh, car and I was in a sports car and it spun me into the, um, the uh, gas station. And luckily uh, the seatbelt did not catch or I would have broken my ribs across my chest. Oh my goodness. Um, but oh my goodness. so flexible, I flipped around. So there we go. (laughs) Holy moly. So I hate to do this, but we are out of time right now. But the good news is after this broadcast, we're going to have a bonus segment on my podcast. So I just want to thank you for being here so much. It's been an absolute honor and we'll see you in a moment. And everyone else, remember to go out and do something that makes you sparkle today and every day. You're listening to CIOE 97.5 FM. We'll catch you next time, friends. Bye for now. Welcome to the bonus section of Find Your Sparkle with Jen. And Rachel is here to continue some of her amazing, miraculous story from being a dancer and being diagnosed with cancer and healing herself and having been traumatized as by rape with a teen as a teenager. And oh my goodness. So we left off right around that time where you were talking about all of the things that were happening to you around that time and being deserted and being diagnosed again with a second boat of cancer at mm-hmm. 17. Yeah. So that was, I, so I was in the car accident first and then, um, I was oh. diagnosed. Oh, after the car. Okay. Was, yeah. It was after, um, so it was, it was, it kind of felt like it was like, just like this, uh, domino effect of things that just started happening. Um, like after I threw my point shoes in the yeah. trash, Three oh days later, I get in this car accident. And then it was like, literally everything. It was like, I felt like God was like, oh, I gave you this talent and you're just going to throw it away just like that. And yeah. he's, like, he's like, okay, now you're going to have to work harder to get it back if you really want this. But now you're going to appreciate it in different levels. But not only that, I being able to go through this journey I understand what other people go through. Mm-hmm. I have compassion of different bodies and uh, traumas that you know we go through. Um, being young, a lot of people, especially as a physical therapist, um, I 
I have so many uh, older people that come to me and they're like, oh, well, you don't know what this feels like, or you don't know what this is, or, you know, <laughs> how would you know you've never experienced this? And I'm like, well, actually, yes, I was, you know, um, crawling at one point. I was in a wheelchair at one point. Um, like I would, I tell them my story and then they kind of like look back and they're like, oh, <laughs> oh. okay, like, you do know what you're saying. So it, it helped me um, understand on a whole nother level, but then it, that's what opened me up into my wellness center that I mm -hmm. started uh, when I was 18 years old. Um, so after my car accident, I started finding, like going to all these different therapies and things and nothing was really working for me. Um, and so my stubbornness was like, all right, well, I'm just going to go back into ballet class. I'll get over my ego and I'll go take the adult ballet class right. and, um, go in there. And mind you, I could not feel my feet. I, there was a numbness oh my on my feet. Wow. So trying to balance on one foot and feel the ground was very difficult for me. And wow. I lost my flexibility. Um, so it was basically, I went from being like flexible gimbo, like circus away, yes. where you'd be able to touch your head on your butt. Like oh I used to be that flexible, wow. um, to like barely being able to like pull my head, like look down at my feet and all of a sudden nerve pain shooting down my whole entire spine, my body, oh my gosh. everything. And so I just decided, you know what, this is what my body is. Uh, nobody can fix me. So I miss dancing. So I'll just go back to dance and just push my way through it and fight the battle. And over like a week period of time, there was a girl that had just moved from Boston and she was watching me and she approached me one day and she was like, I noticed you're really struggling with stuff. What's going on? And I was like, well, I was in this car accident and all these things. And she goes, well, have you ever heard of gyrotonic? And I remember I looked at her and I was like, gyro, what, what? And she goes, gyrotonic. And I was like, what is gyrotonic? And she started telling me, she's like, well, I'm a certified instructor. Um, it's like along the lines of Pilates, yoga, Tai Chi, dance and swimming all put together on a machine. And, you know, it's a pulley system and it makes you feel like you're swimming and moving through water so you can increase your flexibility and your strength. And I was like, okay, sign me up. I was like, I'll, I'll try this. So I ended up um, falling in love with the system and um, I was seeing her three times a week and over two period, two month period, I started, I was able to um, go from barely being able to look my head, like touch my chin to my chest to being able to actually touch my toes for the first Holy cow. Wow. And my pain started decreasing. And, she, and then by four months of doing this, she looked at me and she goes, Rachel, I've taught you everything I can teach you. You need to go get trained in this yourself. So I ended up <laughs> going and getting certified and, and, and trained um, my, myself and went to Germany and, and got to go train with the headmaster, um, Julia Hor Horvath. Um, wow. That's pretty awesome. Him. And while I was there too, I also, um, I was supposed to go to, uh, Spain when I was 18. Um, and with my flamenco dancer teacher, Jose Molina, he's a well, well-known flamenco, um, instructor. I did not know 
um, his uh, stature until I went to Spain in 2010. And I started touring around in Spain and taking at different dance studios and things like that. And um, I was supposed to go through a tour with uh, Jose, but we had fallen up um, out of contact um, through the division or the changing um, of Oregon Valley Theater. And oh, so I. I, he was a new, I knew he was in New York at that time. So I, I, or I would have tried to find him in Spain, but I started searching around and just taking classes. And, um, before you know it, I was in a class and I walked into the studio and I start looking at the wall and there is picture after picture after picture of Jose Molina throughout oh my the goodness. whole entire studio. And I Holy start going to different studios and I start seeing my instructor on, you know, <laughs> on the walls. And wow. I'm like, I'm like I knew Holy he cow. was like a, like a well-known dancer, yeah. but I did not know on this level. Oh my and goodness. So I'm like, I'm in class and I'm, I, ba I barely spoke any Spanish, <laughs> but I knew enough. And having the ability to like really be able, I could like watch what you're doing and instantly mimic what you were doing. I like, you didn't even have to show me the choreography. I could just follow along with exactly what you were doing and, and do it. And so I was in the classes and I'm like doing everything with the teachers telling me to do. And then all of a sudden she just stops class and she looks, she comes and walks up to me and she goes, who trained you? And I was like, Jose Molina. And she goes, Jose, and she's all pointing on the wall, and she goes, "The Jose Molina," and I was like, "See," and she was like, <laughs> "She's like, oh my goodness," and she's like, "Where have you been?" And I was like, "In the United That's States," so and so it was in that moment that I realized that who had trained me since I was eight years old. Wow, and so that's I, incredible. I had, no, I had no idea my this the stature of this this man i just knew wow. he was an amazing flamenco dancer that's and incredible so, so that opened up doors for me to actually go and and be able to um perform at different events and things while i was in spain so i actually got to oh, go that's awesome. do my touring and actually perform flamenco while i was in spain uh during that time and mm -hmm. So when I got back, I ended up uh, going into a dance company um, and then uh, I ended up getting married, but then that ended up turning into a huge um, narcissistic, abusive relationship oh, and, no. uh, from the toxic from that. I ended up getting my third round of cancer, but this time wow. it was uh, liver cancer at the age of 24. Oh my and, goodness. Um, he didn't like uh, me. He liked me dancing, but then he didn't like that I danced with partners. Right. And, and so um, I ended up um, getting um, kicked down the stairs one day um, from my stepdaughter. She was very. Um, wow. Else. She was something else. Um, and but her, her, her and her sister, they were actually plotting all these different ways of trying to get there because they had different moms and so they at one point it was very toxic they both came from uh, drug homes and so okay. I was like trying to help them from this one of them was um 
just, you know, 12 years old, I mean, no child should ever have to go through the things that uh, her mom, you know, put her through. But I was trying to help them the best I could and give them a different life. Um, but yeah. at that point, um, I didn't have the support with the from their father to be able to really help and, um, you know, create those changes and release, you know, those work on those traumas. Right. And, yeah, uh, because you really have to, at that age of six and eight, um, when you're in abusive homes, you there's a small period of time that you have to really transition the conscious mind so that they don't grow up in yeah. the abusive, narcissistic mindsets and things like that. So um, I was really trying to help them go through these things, but um, there wasn't that support on the father's side. So it made it very yeah. difficult and challenging. Yes. Um, yes. So I ended up getting my rib broken um, several times um, from my ex, and then he ended up breaking my foot. Um, oh my gosh! Trying to keep me from dancing, but then actually, oh my god! Opposite, I actually ended up uh, performing on a broken foot and um, <laughs> yeah, and a broken twelfth uh, rib that is actually. Um, now the car it's only a piece of cartilage that's holding my rib together um it never wow. came together so i still have this like pain from it that i have to deal with and um but i ended up actually mentally pushing myself through the performance and rehearsals without letting without anyone knowing i had a broken foot or a broken rib and so, oh my God, like, holy cow. Talk about like being able to master and mask your pain with a pleasant smile and no one not know that you wow. have broken bones in your body and you're just getting broken oh. through the loops. So wow. after that, I ended up uh, getting liver cancer and then um, I took a break from dance for a moment to heal from all of that after my last show that we did. Then I ended up um, going through a divorce. Um, I, well, before the divorce, I was pregnant with, um, so back in 2015, I was pregnant with triplets and at oh. uh, four months, I miscarried my triplets. And oh my goodness. That was, um, wow you want to talk about spiritual warfare and curses and things. Oh my um, goodness. Wow. That was actually what happened to me with my, my miscarriage is that my ex, he actually cursed and wished my babies um, gone. And wow. that, that's a whole nother podcast segment that we yeah. could talk about in itself. Oh my God. I'll just briefly like talk over that one is that, you know, it, in the Shoshone way, in, my, in, in the native way, because he was also native too. Um, when you marry into uh, um, two cultures together, if the man goes and lives with the woman and her family, he's supposed to adapt to that um, tribe. If the right. woman goes and lives with the man, then she's supposed to adapt to his tribe. Well, he mm -hmm. came and lived with us, so he was supposed to be adapting to the Shoshone way, my way but he was pushing the Navajo way on us. Mm -hmm. And so he, there was all this, there was this constant conflict of my way versus your way and, and things right. like that and whatnot. Good. 
And um, he was your class A narcissist. And so it was always his way had to be the correct way. Even if it meant um, losing babies that, you know, it had to be the, his way or the highway. And we were hunting at that time. And um, it was, uh, we were fishing. And so, and then in the Shoshone way, um, the women, we always handled blood and, and dressed the deer or fish and things like that. Um, Navajo way, I was told uh, his way was that women aren't to look at blood. And if they see blood like that from an animal, you'll miscarry. And so he kept saying, telling me that I was going to miscarry my babies because I kept watching my niece um, got the fish. And one day I was just looking down and I wasn't even really looking at the blood. I was just daydreaming and I was off in my own world, but my Mm -hmm. glance was down in that direction. And he looked at me and said, it's your fault. I told you not to look at that blood, the babies, this is your fault. And then he started speaking um, in Navajo to me. And then I just saw this black cloud go around him. And then all of a sudden I just felt this energy and this pain in my stomach. And that night I lost my babies. Oh my gosh. So from there, um, I ended up um, having to start a brand new job four days after I miscarried. Um, he called, he called the cry me, um, card. And so he quit his job. Um, so then I ended up working so we didn't lose the home and pay the bills. So I should have been bedridden, but I went four days after. So this is in the summertime too. I didn't have AC. I was in a, um, I was driving delivery, um, And so I was in the car all day long, 12 hours a day, six days a week, seven days a week sometimes. And over time, um, without the proper care and things, I ended up getting stage four cancer by the time um, 2017 came. And I was actually in uh, Mexico on my last trip. It was my, you know, I was planning to go home. I was getting ready to... um, go back and meet creator. And, um, I was on my last trip in Mexico with my dad and my grandpa. And one night I was sitting there and I just kept getting attacked by all these entities and they, um, were putting all these different suicidal thoughts in my head of different ways to try to kill myself. And, um, I just grabbed my head and I just kept like telling my my dad, you know, make it stop, make it stop. And my dad came over and grabbed me like, you know, like a little girl and just pulled me into his arms. And the moment he pulled me into his arms, I was no longer on this earth. I was in God's arms. I was in heaven. I had died. Wow. Wow. I I was given the chance to either stay in heaven and I could be free from all of the burdens and all the sufferings and the hell that I had been gone, been going through, or um, I was given a chance to come back and heal myself naturally from cancer, from stage four cancer, and to be that testament again, that, you know, we can, you can heal naturally from cancer, that you don't have to go through radiation and chemo and surgeries after surgeries and that through faith and herbs and other healing modalities that we can, we can heal. And so, I was like, okay, I couldn't leave. I, I couldn't leave myself in Mexico with my <laughs> dad and grandpa and, mm-hmm. you know, my family. And so I was like, okay, 
I wanted to stay there so bad because of my babies and yeah, all right, I'll go back. So I, I came back with a mission and wow. I'll, I'll never forget when I, when um, I was actually going to school for herbology at that time. And I had just learned about the cancer that I was diagnosed with and all of the uh, to heal myself. Wow. Wow. See, there's, there's the universe and God working for you right there. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then wow. the moment that we landed from Mexico and we're driving down the street and we're almost home, wow. I drive past this building and I hear Rachel right there, that acupuncture place right there on Monday, you have to call them. And I was like, wow. okay. So I ended up calling on Monday, ended up being my old acupuncturist. I worked with when I was in my car accident, she's a fourth wow. generation, um, Harvard, uh, you know, doctor and just all this background, I ended up going to her and she starts helping me. And over time, she's like, Rachel, you need to have your own wellness center again. And <laughs> so I was like, okay. So she actually put, she's like that. She had this beautiful space and she was like, I want you in this space right here with your mom. I want you guys doing your native American healing and, wow. and your cancer healing here in, you know, in the space. And wow. so I was like, okay, so we ended up starting to create this one-stop shop of this holistic healing where you could go get acupuncture, massage therapy, um, there we have a, um, a natural path, there's um, uh, the, you have, then you have vibration sound therapy, then you have, you know, physical wow. therapy, and then you have the herbalist, and then you have, there's, there's it's basically That's amazing. This one-stop shop so that, because what my thing was, is going through cancer. I had to go to, I spent a lot more time driving to all my appointments scattered across Portland, Vancouver area than I did at the actual appointments. And so then I started, yes. to like, you know what, we need a place where you can go to all these healing modalities in one place, one-stop shop. Yeah. So you don't have to spend all this time driving from point A to point B to get all of your healing done. So I started wow. working on this wellness center that um, had this like one-stop shop of what I needed when I was going through my, like the the worst part of my cancer and things like that. So wow. I started creating this, um, the center. So Zimi wellness center. So Zimi is a Shoshone for North star. So okay, that, cool. that true North star that always stays there, that w- always shines in the sky. And wow, um, that's, that's awesome. That, you know, going back to the, the ancient, the holistic healing, the bringing those ancestors back, you know, connecting yourself um, back to your true self and um, your true being and your highest self and the, the connection to creator and your ancestors and the land and having that healing within yourself and yeah that's amazing helping you helping others get the because the thing is is a lot of people don't have the rain in their own hands of their healing Mm -hmm. and so that's the thing is like they're they're like hey you know what here jennifer hold on to my healing over here you're going to be my advocate but it's up to you to do my healing right yeah you don't know what's going on with my body and so it's like how do you, it's like helping people listen and re-engage with their body so that you can be in tune with your body and know like, you know what? Oh, nope. This is out of alignment. Oh, nope. Something's going on here. Yeah. Oh, 
nope, I'm depleted on vitamin C, my or, or nope, vitamin B's, you know, yes. so you start listening and you start being more in tune with your body, then you actually start to hear what's going on with your body before you mm-hmm. even get to the doctor to be diagnosed with something. And so you'd be surprised how many times I know what I'm like diagnosed with in a sense right. before I even go to the doctor. I'll be like, I have this, or I'm, I'm like, I'm getting, you know, like my asthma is br- uh, coming, acting up, but it's from the allergies and it's from this. And I'm noticing the air quality change, yeah. right? all these different things. And they're kind of like looking at me like, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> um, oh, another thing, like my, my pelvic cancer, I've been having this yeah. severe chronic pain, but I've been having this pain in the left side of my hip, not in the uterine. And for mm-hmm. the past two years, I have been telling my doctor, I have pain in the left side of my hip. And she kept saying that, okay, it must be tied to uterine cancer. It could be tumors um, endometriosis, um, all these things. And she's really just staying focused in the uterine. And I kept telling her, I know my body, I can't lift my muscles. I am like, I'm athletic. I'm not able to lift my leg the way I should be able to. I'm not able to access my psoas muscle the way I should be able to. Mm. It's hurting. I'm getting all these fire signals, like all these things that are not, um, connecting. And I kept advocating for myself saying, you know what? No, like, listen to me. It is not my uterine that's causing this pain. Then she kept saying, it's in your head. Then the doctors kept saying, oh, this pain's in your head. Oh my gosh. I started going back into kickboxing. I started going back into dance. I started going into weightlifting. I started swimming a mile. I'm a triathlete. So I started swimming a couple miles a day again. I started running a couple miles a day again. I started biking 27 miles. You know, I started like going into all these things and my pain was decreasing in a way, but yet it was increasing like no other. And I kept telling Mm. her, I'm like, I'm doing all these therapies. I'm getting my massage. I'm getting acupuncture. I'm getting cupping. I'm getting trigger point therapy. Like I'm doing all of these things. And it's like, the pain is there. It's not in my head. And so finally I was like, I need to see a muscle skeletal. Like I need to see an osteo, uh, osteo, osteopath. Osteopath. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And I'm like, I need to go see someone. But not only that, I was, again, being an athlete, I was like, I need to see someone that knows a professional athlete, yes. not someone that just works on anybody. I need someone that knows an athlete. Specials, yeah. Specials. So I ended oh. up getting in with the top surgeon of the Northwest, who is the surgeon of the Portland Trailblazers. And he's also the surgeon for the uh, Timbers, the Portland Timbers, and he is on the board of OHSU. And oh my so goodness. I ended up getting like this top. The best guy. The best guy. <laughs> the best guy. Yes, guy. So I get in there and I go and see the surgeon and he has me go do x-rays. I had some MRI imaging done before I had seen him, but he had me go do x-rays. And he, for the first time is having me actually do um, x-rays of my hips, like in a butterfly in positions that a dancer would be um, in, you right. know, able to Makes see sense. the flexibility of the open hips and where your joints right. sitting inside the hip socket. 
And so he actually started looking at me as a professional athlete and um, looking at the muscle structure of everything and started seeing things. Then he goes and sits down, pulls up the MRI and then starts looking around. Within five minutes, he's like zooms in, finds this big black hole. And he's like, um, I, you, he's like, you see this black hole? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, that's your, that's your psoas not attached. He goes, that black hole right there, there's supposed to be a muscle attached right there. Oh my God. He said, and he goes in that ball that's up on your ovary that they keep thinking is a a tumor or a cyst is actually your muscle that is in a ball on top of your ovary. Oh my God. He said, he goes, you have been walking around for the past two years with your psoas disattached. This is oh my most, God. one of the most important muscles in the stomach that you need. I mean, this muscle helps lift your leg up and down so you can walk, so you can step, you know, go up and down stairs, so you can- Holy moly. So you can, uh, just anytime you use your stomach, you're using your psoas. Like, wow. It's so important. And I kept wow. going, I was back in dance and doing all these things. Then all of a sudden, I just had this real realization that I like, I had this, oh, like, excuse my French, but I had this, oh shit moment um, yeah, yeah. of like, I was kickboxing. I should not have been doing that. I was weightlifting. Oh I should not have been doing that. I was like, yeah. I was going down the list of all of these things. And I was like, I have not, Holy I cow. not have been doing any of this no wonder why i'm hurting like i am so i end up going yep. back to my doctor and i go okay we found the problem and she goes okay what is it and i said it is not uterine related my psoas is not attached it ripped it completely tore and i'll never forget because she actually had her student one of the students in there that day the, <laughs> was there that <laughs> her and at first I wasn't going to let the student come in and listen to the whole conversation. But then I was like, you know what? That's a good lesson. Student come in. Let the student come in and yeah. listen to this one. Good lesson. Yeah. And so at the end of the whole conversation, <laughs> my doctor looks at the nurse and goes, okay, lesson of the day with the uterine. Don't always think that the, it's the pain in the pelvis is uterine. Like don't, don't keep the blinders on. Clearly, I thought it, she was like, clearly, I thought it was uterine related and this was muscle skeletal. And she's been telling me this for two years and I didn't listen. Well, and that's the other lesson is to listen to the patient. Exactly. <laughs> and put the ego aside, like, you know, just right? totally. Ego, Ego's huge. And yeah. you know, put that ego aside instead of you could actually get further along in your practice by listening to a person that actually knows their body, especially yeah. athletes. I mean, and, and a, a ballet dancer, we're trained to know how to move every part of our body as a mechanic machine. Right. I, I, we are trained to access every single muscle and tendon and ligament to to be able to move the body in such you know smooth ways and be so flexible. And it's like you have to be able to know where these things are. So you know when any little thing is out of alignment, you feel yes. it. 
So totally. Amy, your alignment, you know, so this whole thing um, with my hip, it's affecting my knee. It's affecting my feet. It's affecting my hip. It's affecting my shoulder. Your it's stomach like, muscles, whole, your, your yeah. whole, everything. Uh-huh. It twists wow. everything up. And so I'm actually uh, now waiting for my surgery uh, to go and get this muscle sewn back oh together after goodness. two years of going through this pain that has been in my head. <laughs> <laughs> goodness. You know, it's a really clear message for everyone to take charge of your own health and wellness. And I mean, I'm all for preventative rather than yes. reactive, right? So right. just, and, and no, like, think I, well, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about me. I broke my back and was basically told I would never have any sports, never have kids. And I would have a hunchback. And I was 19. Mm -hmm. It was very similar to you. And I was like, yes. you know what? No, I don't think so. That's not me. And the specialist, it was like, yeah, well, that's you're just going to have to accept that that's not, you're not going to have the life that you thought you were going to have. And I'm like, mm -hmm. no, no, not even close. <laughs> so the power of what you, what you can do for yourself is beyond anything. And because they have a doctor by their name and they're a specialist doesn't mean that they know everything because they don't. Exactly. Exactly. And big charge. So, so that's why I, I'm a big advocate for taking the rein in your hands and yes. listening to your body mm -hmm. and fighting because there's been so many points where in my life where I could have been in and submitted in a sense, you know, to what the doctors were telling me and totally. like, oh yeah, it's in my head or I don't know my body. And, but it was always at those moments where I almost gave in to, to what they were wanting me to believe that I right. kept fighting. And it was at those moments that the table would turn. And then all of a sudden it was like, uh, the grace of God was on my side, you know, to go, okay. And back me up and say, no, look that she's right. Like, listen, yeah. to her. this is, this is happening. Get your equal, you know, put the ego aside. People do know how to listen to their body. And mm -hmm. yes, I, and this is the thing is I would always, um, I'm very respectful of my doctor too, because of the whole um, opiate epidemic that's going right. on and things like yes. that. And so there's that whole thing. So there's a whole nother trust that I oh my goodness. build with my doctor on that side of things, where uh, when I first went into the doctor with my cancer, before my cancer, I was 120 pounds, um, roughly all muscle. I was like, I had only maybe 6% fat. And um, then all of a sudden I dropped down to 85 pounds. Um, oh. I was in stage four cancer where you could literally see my bones. My face was sunk in like, you could oh my see God, me. I thought it, it was, it was disgusting. You could, I have pictures or a video of, you could see my heart literally pumping through my chest. I was wow. Skinny, um, oh my gosh. From the cancer, but they treated me as if I was a meth addict. I was treated like I, so I've never, um, oh my gosh, my life or heroin. And they treated me like I was some drug seeking person. Um, when all I wanted was to have confirmation that I had cancer because wow. I, knew, I knew I had cancer. And wow. then, then it was an argument for a year for them to finally see that I had cancer. And I had to uh, do my own research of uh, 
so there's a marker C it's a CA 125. And then that marker, you can actually get that blood tested and you can see the markers. And that right there is for female hormones for the cancer level. And so wow. I actually went to my natural path and had her, and I started having my natural path going and looking at my own, um, where I was deficient in uh, minerals right. and vitamins. And I had her giving me, I was doing cocktails. So IV cocktails, where they give you all the minerals, vitamins, and things that you're deficient through an IV. And, right. and so that you can get it um, quicker without Quick. having to take handfuls of pills yeah. and vitamins and stuff. And so I had her test for my CA-125 marker and it was extremely high through the roof. I took it to my doctor and I said, you see this right here? This is what I've been trying to tell you. I have cancer. Oh and my so God. At that point that they finally started looking at me and listening to me and, and, and look and like, oh, she actually like knows what she's talking about. Oh, okay. Wow. And then also being native American, that's a whole nother level of yeah of things too, of how yep. do you know this knowledge being Native American? Like, how, how do you, how are you this educated? Um, so <laughs> there was that, right? So there was that aspect of it. And so it was like, so I literally had to like take those reins and drive the car or else yep. I would have never uh, gotten the answers. That. That no, holy cow. And so it, I, you know, it's so important to, you know, listen to your body to, you know, even if the doctor is like telling you, no, 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 it's in your head. And you know, with everything inside you don't yeah. listen, keep, you know, no. what I say, I can fire my doctor. That's the yeah. nice thing. I can fire my doctor. I don't like you. I'm going to fire you. And so there was this whole sense of mentality that I had to change to of like the doctors don't, we don't work for the doctor. The doctor works for us. Right. Exactly. They work for us. We are paying them to help us. So I'm like, take that in for a second. We aren't working for them. They're working for us. So if your doctor isn't listening to you, then maybe you should find a different doctor. You don't owe that doctor anything. Yeah, so exactly. That's, that's the other thing that I have, I've had to do is like, you know, advocate on that aspect. I'm like, you know what? You're not listening to me. You're fired. I'm getting a different doctor next. Yeah. And so <laughs> I, I fired many doctors and it's okay, but you know what? I, I've been, because of that, I've been able to have, now I have my own team of doctors that all work together, but I wouldn't have gotten to this point if it weren't for me advocating for myself. There's yeah. no way my doctor would have done this for me. There's no way, you know, someone, I don't have anybody else to do this for me. Well, my mom's not going to do it for me. I mean, wow. she can help to a certain extent, but yeah. you know, literally you're the one that has to do it. And so I think that's like with my message too, is just, you know, advocate for yourself. Um, there's, there's never, uh, there's always a way there's always a right. way. There's always an answer. Everything is figureoutable as Marie, um, portfolio says <laughs> everything yeah. is figureoutable. I love that. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and just take that, listen to yourself and you yeah. know, honor, honor yourself and your, your life and your journey and 
be the driver of your own car. Oh my gosh, absolutely. The best, that's the best advice ever. I, I don't want to keep you any longer, but this has been absolutely fabulous. I'm going to, uh, we'll, we'll have a minute after I stop the recording, but I thank you, thank you, thank you so much. This has just been fascinating. And I know that your story is certainly one that can inspire anyone. And really, I guess you nailed it. Messages take control, take reins and drive your own car and, and be your own advocate and afraid to disagree with these professionals <laughs> right they're human and and like you said i mean you know your body so thank you mm -hmm. again and God bless you we'll we'll talk to you again soon we'll see you in a minute and remember to go and do something that makes you sparkle today and everyday friends we'll catch you next time on find your sparkle with jen bye for now